0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road. Ronananian. I
3: hate changing parts without testing. Now, obviously, it's a waste of money and time, but the big factor is: when do you change something and you find out you put a secondary problem into the vehicle simply by changing a part that, well, I'll try this. the car doctor is the check engine light on is there anything pending all right pending is just as important as
2: current welcome to the radio home of ron and Anian, the car doctor since 1991 this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair if your mechanics giving you a busy signal
3: pick up the phone and call in the garage doors are open but i am here to take your calls at eight five 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 six zero nine nine hundred. And now here's Ronnie. Hey, hey welcome, Ronnie, the car doctor at your service. Let's, uh, you know, I have stories and things to talk to you about, but be, yeah, you know, what, let's go right to the phones. Let's go to Bob in Delaware. Robert, you're on with the car doctor, sir. How can I help?
1: Hey,
4: Ron, how's it going? Good. I'm
3: good. What's going yeah, on? Yeah,
4: I just wanted to, uh, I, uh, I just wanted to share my experience, uh, of the, of the way I buy cars. Okay, sure. I this is the second car I bought. The first car I bought, they they're they're, sal- they're cars with salvage titles or rebuilt reconditioned titles. Okay. And the first car I bought was a 2010 Ford Fusion Hybrid. It had uh, I think uh, 12,000 miles at the time. The car brand new when it was built in 2010 was a $35,000 car. Well, I got this car for uh, 13,000 and it was the accident, uh, it, hit, it was hit in the back. So the engine was fine. And so I, so I decided to, you know, buy it. I'm, I still drive that car today. It's got over 300,000 miles on it. I mean, the car doesn't owe me a dime. I just recently bought a car for my wife. It's a 2020 Audi A6 T55. It had 11,000 miles on it. And the problem with that car, it was totaled. The previous owner uh ran through a puddle, and the car just conked out on him so they they brought it to the dealer to an Audi dealer, and they diagnosed it as uh, engine damage, whatever and so the insurance company wrote it off and then this company that i I do business with they buy them they fix them up, they get' them, you know they do what they got to do whether it 's rebuilding the engine or they said they put a new starter in they change the fluids i I flew down the car I picked it up. I paid, like I said, it had 11,000 miles, and I paid $34,000 for this car. This car is in a $76,000 car, brand new in 2020. I mean, it's got everything on it. It's unbelievable. I've never had a car like this in my life. And I drove the, drove the car from Florida back to Delaware, and it, it was the best trip I ever had. And, and I just wanted to tell people, I mean, this is, uh, you know, it, cars are very expensive today, and and if you're going if you're the type of person like I am, where you buy a car and you, I t- treat it like an investment. I keep it up, and I, I, don't trade, I don't turn cars over every three years. I keep it for, you know, a long time. Right now, I'm driving a 2007 uh, Hummer H3, at It's and five, 205,000 miles on it. And you look at it, you think it just came out of the showroom. So I just want to, you know, see what your opinion of uh, cars with, you know, salvage titles or rebuilt titles.
3: Don't see a lot of them, to be honest with you, Bob. Uh, I'm not. I'm yeah. not saying that's bad. We just don't see a lot. But you know, we are, we're we're at the shops in. A, you know, we're in northern New Jersey. It's an affluent area, part of the country. Right. We tell somebody yeah. they need. We tell somebody they need four wheel brakes and tires, and they get rid of the car. Um. You know, it's a very different. Right. It's a very different world. You know, and I, I've seen salvage title purchasing people make out, and I've seen them get hurt. You know the the yeah. the danger, yeah. and you've got to be very careful. And so f- so far, you're on a roll. Good luck to you. I hope it works for you. Uh, you know, but when yeah. you when you yeah, get well,
4: I wouldn't I wouldn't buy a car. You know, if it was hitting the front, the engine, all that. One nice thing about this, that, you know, these, there's like several companies. There's one in Florida. There's another company in uh, Michigan, and basically, you know, they tell you where where the accident was or what what the problem was. And you could go on. You look up, get the VIN. You go up there, and go uh, look up the VIN, and it, and you actually see pictures of the car uh, before it was fixed. You know, uh, during, you know, showing where the accident was. Right. So obviously, some you know, you see a picture with a car. The whole front end is smashed in. You stay away from that. Right. But if it's you know hitting on the side or the back, you know, there's a good chance that uh, you know the, the, that'll uh, if it's done right, you know, you you'll get a good deal. And then you're basically talking, you're paying uh, probably probably uh, two thirds of the of the price of what it should what it should go for with a, with a clear title right so you save yourself uh, a third. And you can. And,
3: uh, you can. Un- until you get to that one. <laughs> that one, that, right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, it's exactly. it's I, I get it. It's it's like tiptoeing through a minefield, though. You just got to be careful. But yeah. I understand what you're doing. I understand why. And, and more power to you. Yeah. You know, not, everybody, not yeah. everybody wants to put up with that. Not a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? It's, no, I understand. It's, I understand, it's, yeah. But I appreciate you sharing it. What's the website that you go to just for the heck of it? Let's throw it out there.
4: This company uh, that I bought the Audi from is called... Uh, the guaranteed best choice. They're out of uh, Hollywood, Florida, uh, you know, down in My- Miami and Broward. And uh, great, great people. The Maya, who's uh, the office manager. I mean, you, you couldn't get better service than-, than anybody. I mean, she was fantastic. I drove down there. Uh, I saw the car. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't wire the money prior. I figured I'm going to come down. And I, uh, I saw the car. I drove the car and then uh, i I wired the money the next day. I had to wait an extra day for the wire to clear, and then I picked it up, and uh, the car was immaculate
3: now what happens and what ha- what happens in the event of you know if there's manufacturer warranty still on that car is it because it says salvage yeah, no, is, is that warranty no, over? there's no
4: there's no warranty on it from the manufacturer after a car gets totaled uh and salvaged that it knows the warranty
1: right that's they, what I thought every right.
4: car every car that they sell that they repair. And they predominantly work. Believe it or not, they predominantly work on what they call flood title flood salvages. Where I guess you know when I heard that, I right away I thought of the, the cabin being filled with water. And uh, but then I found out no, most of these cars that have flood damage or flood uh, salvage, it's they, they, the car goes through a puddle and just conks out. But especially with these new cars, and, right. uh The insurance doesn't want to. The insurance company only bother with it. They just write it off. And they pick up all their cars. They got about, right now on their website, they must have about 80 cars. About 12 of them are uh, Teslas. Uh, all high-end cars. A lot of high-end Mercedes, BMWs. And they all salvage uh, with, a, with a flood, with a flood, uh, flood salvage. They, every car that they sell, they, they buy a three-month, 3,000-mile 3, uh, warranty. warranty on it.
3: Now you realize. Oh, now you realize, exactly. of course, when you have a salvage titled car that stays with the car for the life of the car, it will affect final resale. You know, three right. years exactly. from now, if you go to exactly. sell it, so you really have to keep that car a long time. You've got that's to keep why, it long term. Yeah.
4: But yeah. for somebody like myself who keeps a car and you know takes care of it and uh, you, you ride it until it uh, you know it, it drops, and right. that's uh, that's yeah. yeah. But definitely, you, definitely uh, the car is uh, is worth you pay for it. You right. Know, and uh Right. So, uh, but I like I said, they're, they're the the guaranteed was it the guaranteed best choice out of Hollywood, Florida. Then okay. there's another company in the, in Michigan. They got you know also they do the same thing, uh, but they 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 handle a lot of uh, cars and act with accidents. Um, you know, front end, back end, whatever. Um, well, so, you know, with, they, with, that,
3: with the shortage of cars, Bob, you may just be onto something. Yeah. Because uh, there's not a lot of new cars in the marketplace right now, it seems. Yeah. It seems like the shortage is continuing for whatever reasons, well, artificial my, or otherwise. I but. lost
4: my job. I, I, worked for, I used to work for AutoVin. I was in a, a car inspector. So like when you lease, lease a car, after three years, I would come out and inspect the car and see what you know how the wear and tear on the car. And, uh, and then if there was excess wear and tear, the, you know, the leasee would have to pay whatever it is. And that's right. what I did. And then when, when COVID hit and we had that problem... I basically lost my job from that, and uh, but but but, yeah, I would uh, I would really for those out there that are looking for a good deal on a car, uh, you know, you do your due diligence, you look at the car, you you know, the the write-ups for these people for the for. for the company was unbelievable. I mean, the testimonials were unbelievable. That was another thing that sold. Me. Bob, give us Bob. And, give us a
3: Bob. Give us a couple of tips if somebody's going out there to look at a salvage title car, or just even a used car. Yeah. What What are some of the favorite things you look for to tell you know use and abuse?
4: Well, you if you got a paint gauge, you want to make sure that the, there's no uh, none of none of, the, none of the panels were damaged. You know, was it an accident? Uh, you want to check the uh, I guess the uh, the. You know, if it says it's got uh, twenty thousand miles, you want to make sure, and you look at the you know, the brake the brake uh, pedal, the wear on that. You could, um, you know, you look at. Uh, um, you, I usually run my. If you don't have a paint gauge, you run your finger along the edge of the hood, and if it's not smooth, or and if it's rough, then you know it was painted. These little little tricks. I'm, I'm sure you're probably aware of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And. uh you basically want you know you want good mileage you, you obviously you get to look at the, the Kelly Blue Book to see where the, the price should be for that car and uh, but uh, you know I'm right now I'm I'm in the, I'm in the market for my daughter she wants the, she wants this new uh, uh, Bronco uh, and believe it or not I I've, uh, I've come across a few of them uh, that have salvage titles but they're the Bronco Sport right she wants the big one the, yeah. the regular full size one and I haven't seen many of those, but there were quite a few Bronco Sports that were available with a uh, salvage title, rebuilt title, and uh, so. But yeah, that's the only way I would go. Let's see, when when my my Ford Fusion goes, then I'll be in the market for another car, and uh, uh, that's the way I'm gonna go. Yeah, yeah, cool I just wanted beans. to let you know.
3: Well, Bob, I appreciate yeah. your time. I appreciate the information. I'm glad it's working out for you. I'm glad you landed on your feet after yep. COVID. So very good Thanks, all right, kiddo. Well, you're very welcome it. you be well bye. I'm Ron and in the bye. car doctor bye bye I'm Ron and in the car doctor he's very excited right I love that I love the passion he's got there finding salvage cars but that's good listen hey that's what this show and that's what this country's all about find your passion and do it and make it work for you I'm Ron and in the car doctor I'll be back right after this don't go away
2: it's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road Baby, I'll take you anywhere you want to go. Vehicle not taking you where you want to go? Well, call Ron. He's the expert at making your vehicle take you where you need it. 855-560-9900. And now, back to Ron.
3: Hey, let's wander over to Iowa and talk to James. James, welcome to the car, Dr. Sir Ron and Ananian at your service. How can I help?
5: Yeah, hi, Ron. Yes, sir. What I've got is I took a motor out of a 77 Ford truck. Okay. And I put it in this little Model T, and I've got all the wiring completely done, and it's, everything works except there wasn't an exciter wire on the plug that goes into the regulator. I noticed that later when I, after I had it all wired, and I'm like, okay. So I went out to Salvage Yard and got a plug so I can get that little connector and put it into the connector that's on the vehicle now and plug it into the regulator. And now I have a wire that I can put the power for the exciter, and it works and it makes the alternator work. But does that wire, it hooked up to it, like something that when you start you got power and then it turns off and the ignition goes from start to run? Where
2: did you get the? Where the did you get the time? Where
3: did you get the wiring harness from, James?
5: Well, I made it myself, but I've done several of them. I use like a painless wiring. Okay. And that But I bought the wiring harness for the electrical system. You know, the charging system came with the engine and transmission and all that.
3: Right. So is it is it factory wiring? You know, that's my question. It's, yeah, it's a factory wiring. For the so if, if it's pollinator. got factory wiring, what happened to the wiring? Or are you missing a ground? Because that voltage regulator would have to be grounded and there'd have to be good chassis ground between it, the engine, and the battery in order for all this to yeah, work. got
5: a good ground.
3: Okay. So if you've got the truck harness, I'm trying to figure out what you're missing or what you're... See, normally... Well, I was missing the, the yeah, wire
5: that goes to the exciter that plugs into the which, regulator. Which
3: terminal is that on the regulator, the F terminal?
5: It's the bottom one. It's the I one.
3: Okay, so if you... Uh, the I the battery
5: believe... and then there's the field and the one that goes to the battery.
3: Okay, was that there no, on? Was that there? To, was that there on the factory harness? No,
5: I don't think so. It must not have been. But my other car has one on there that's got that wire going to it.
3: Okay, so and you, if I touch the if you touch power it to wire, the I terminal of the alternator, you get it. To, you get it to charge.
5: Yep, runs right up and it does its thing. And then it stays charging as long as you run the car, and then you turn it off; it, it doesn't again, of course. Right. But then, as I disconnect the power, because I don't know if it's supposed to be full-time power or just well, and that's what see that's what you I'm started. you
3: know, you know, I'm almost at a loss because we're playing around with a wiring harness without a diagram. Uh, you know, I'd have to break down. I don't remember seeing them where the I terminal had to be hooked up. It was if, and that's what I don't understand. If you've got the factory harness, well, I'm looking at. Well, if oh, you it's got a diagram the, here, well, if you got the factory harness out of the truck, all right yeah. and it, it worked in the truck, why do you have to add a wire now? What are you comp- I don't know. right that's and that's my question. What are you compensating for? So but I have a
5: diagram here, okay, and it does show on the regulator there's an a and an i and an s and an f
3: where's where does the and i the go the
5: i, which is the exciter says it goes to a white wire that goes to the fuse box.
3: So that means it's power. So that means the back of the alternator that I terminal must be 12 volts. Okay. Check it.
5: So it probably just runs all the time that power does. Well, either that, the you know, it's turned on.
3: Well, if it's going into the fuse box, is it is it key on engine only? Uh, my my imagination is in my imagination, I'm going to say that that's probably a key on hot only, or not. It's not hot all the time. Why would they have to have the regulator excited all the time? That wouldn't make sense. That yeah. would that would create a drain. But I would I be could probably. Well, do take this. It off do this. Start it. start it up. Start it up with it disconnected. Do you have 12 volts at that I terminal of the alternator? All right. If you okay. if you do, then you're just replicating the fuse box. You've got your answer. It's in front of you. That I-terminal is is an unfused 12-volt source, right? Yeah. Okay, so then just find it. Well, the
5: I isn't on the alternator.
3: You just said it was. Where's no, the no, I, it's where's, on, the, where's it's the, on the regulator. Okay, and then you're running it to the, where? The
5: alternator has the S and the battery in the field.
3: Right, so you're running that I-wire from the regulator to where? To power. Oh, so you're duplicating the it fuse box. It and
5: it makes it's alternator right,
3: work. so you're duplicating the fuse box. So run it through a fuse, run it through the fuse box, run it through a switched source on the fuse box. You can't go wrong.
5: If yeah, it's, so if, it probably has power at all times when the ignition switch is turned on.
3: Correct. It's a key on. That was my question. Right. It's switched power. Correct. All right. I know
5: sometimes you'd have when you turn the ignition to start, it would give you an extra boost of power just for more spark when it starts
3: well you're talking about a ballast uh set up ignition system which yeah, we're so not
5: more we're, likely it's just going to be
3: well this has know, not, it up but, to a
5: switch power and you're good to go
3: well but james a, a ballast ignition has nothing to do with the charging system
5: well i agree with that okay but i if i was going to like a, as an example of one
3: right time okay they did do but services. yeah I, it sounds like what you want you've got the answer in front of you there it sounds like you want to go to the fuse box and wire it up to a fuse that is switched power so when the key is on yeah
5: i've got switched power wires that i can okay. hook it up to
3: no That's that's yeah then do that and, and as
5: far as the guy tell you what hang on one, hang on one second james, the james. The
3: let me pull over take a pause we'll come back to you after this break all right don't go anywhere i'm not an in the car doctor we'll be right back
0: In the
2: zone, the Auto Zone studio, and he'll be back right after this. It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road. Welcome back to the AutoZone Studio. Here's Ron.
3: Hey, let's finish up with Jamie and Iowa. Jamie, real quick, you had a comment?
5: Yeah, as far as that guy with the, the rebuilt salvage title cars, I worked at a body shop for like forty years and we did that exclusively for about fifteen years. And the biggest thing with the salvage title car is you gotta know who's rebuilding it for you. Right. Yep. You were doing them all the time and and you just make sure you put them back just like they were and nobody'd have any problems with them because they're just like they were we cut them in half and whatever we needed to do but we didn't scrim
3: right right so it's it's only as good as the guy putting it together is the bottom line (laughs) yeah right Uh, we're
5: still in the buy shop business but we don't do as many of those rebuilders but people can have confidence that they know who's doing it
3: you know i'm thinking about you're going back to your regulator comment question I'm thinking I'm thinking about that. That was the red green wire, correct? No, it's a white wire. Was it white? Well it
5: could be a red green wire, was but it, it was
3: missing. Right. Was it was it was it red green in the factory harness? Do you know? I
5: think it might have been. Yeah, it was. It was. Take a
3: look, because I think it was red-green, because red denoted power, and I believe that was the same wire that ended up going to the ignition coil, the positive, the hot side of the coil. There was a ballast resistor in there for start crank mode, depending upon what generation electronic ignition that had. But if you follow that wiring straight back, that's going to go to fused ignition, either off the switch or through the fuse box. But either way, that's going to be fused, key-on power only. It's not hot all the time and um, okay. uh, I think you'll be fine, all right? I just didn't understand what we were doing in the beginning because we had white wires and red wires and green wires. and
5: Yeah, <laughs> um, so with the, the so. wiring kits, they use different wires, but I do remember when I took the old plug off, the one I got at the junkyard the other day, that it was a red and white wire that I put into my plug that goes into my regulator. Right. So. Now, you know, I just want to mention, too, if, if
3: if you want to eliminate all of this company, I'm sure you've heard of PowerMaster. No, I haven't. Powermaster starters and alternators—they make some really great oh, yeah, stuff. They'll—they'll yeah. they'll make a—they'll make a—they make a one-wire alternator for that vehicle. You can eliminate half your wiring. Oh
5: yeah, that'd be simple. It's yeah, it, self-exciting. So, so I should be good to
3: go. Yep. All right, kiddo, send us right, pictures. Well, send us pictures you're when you're done. We'd love go. to see it. You're very welcome. Take good care. Let's All get right. on. Let's Thank get you. on over it's and fine. go to. Let's go to Peter in Maine. Peter, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi. Right, how you doing? Good, sir. What's going on?
1: Um, got a 2005 Dodge Stratus. Okay. Um, having charging problems. All right. Um, I replaced the alternator. It's been replaced three times. And, um, the third time it was replaced, um, it worked fine for a while. And then the, uh, battery light on the dash panel came on. And then after that, it completely drained the battery. And we had to get a jump to get it going, to get it home. And then after that, I charged the battery up and um, let it run for a while. And then the battery light shut off on the dash panel. And then probably like 10 or 15 minutes later, the the battery light came back on the dash panel. And then the car started uh, idling erratically. And then it died, and the battery is completely dead again.
3: Okay, so I don't let, know. If, let me ask I don't you, know
1: if there's th- something.
3: Well, let me let's 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 back up a second. When you say you put a couple of alternators in it, is that a couple of alternators yes, spread spread out over time, or is that the light? No, you originally no. had a charging problem. You tried a couple of alternators till you got a good one.
1: I I went to a Raleighs and bought one there, and and then. They gave me another one after that, and then I had a problem after that, and then I went to AutoZone, and then after that, I still got a problem with it.
3: Okay, so I don't know
1: if there's another wire somewhere. Well, wait a minute.
3: So, so you're getting
1: the ground or something?
3: Well, wait a minute, Peter. You're you're just swapping alternators. Has anybody done any diagnosis? Has anybody looked at this with a scan tool or anything?
1: I don't have a scan tool.
3: So you just. I asked other people.
1: You, you, I asked other people, and they didn't say anything about it. So.
3: Well, you're just so you're just swapping parts until you get until it fixes itself. I'm I'm not being rude. I'm just you know just right. Well, sure, sure,
1: if if it was if it was a diagnostic with a scan tool, wouldn't it have a service engine tune light come on or something?
3: Not unless not unless the charging fault affected emissions. The only reason, the only reason, a, the only reason a check engine light comes on in any vehicle is emissions related. If there's an electrical problem, you know, it, it it won't report it per se. If the charging system, although the charging system should have authority over emission controls, so yes, in that sense, I would agree with you. But wouldn't you want to see what the computers are seeing? You know, if your blood pressure, if Pierce, I thought, the,
1: go ahead. I thought the service engine
3: light would come on to.
1: I, that there was a problem somewhere, because all it is is just a battery light coming on.
3: Well, okay. So think of it like this. We could take a scan tool, and you could look at and see actual voltage and requested voltage. Wouldn't you like to know what the computer is capable of controlling? Yeah, I didn't
1: know you could do that.
3: Sure, there's a lot you can do with a scan tool. And I'm not talking, here's an example where you always hear me talk about the difference between, and I'll do this gently, OBD2 and vehicle-specific year-make model. Vehicle-specific year-make model will give us a whole lot more information in this case. Because the computer is controlling the charging system. Well, the computer is controlling the charging system here. All right? So, So, for example, you could have a bad computer. I'm not saying you do, but you could have a bad computer. And it may not be able to properly see and identify low voltage enough to turn on a light. So there are, some, there are some tests that you could do with a scan tool to see, hey, do I have an alternator problem? Do I have a computer problem? Do I have a wiring issue? The fact that you went through, now you said you put two alternators on from O'Reilly's and then the one from AutoZone worked, but for a short time.
1: Yes. Well, they, they did the same. They all, they all did the same problem. They it, And we replaced to put a brand new battery in it, too.
3: Okay. So we
1: thought maybe it was the battery. Maybe it had a bad power in it or something.
3: So when you, you know, check the alternator, if you had a wiring diagram, did you measure to ver- verify that you had correct power and ground at the alternator through the harness plugs like you're supposed to?
1: Yeah, it had the, the adequate power to
3: it. What was the voltage at the plug on the alternator, do you remember?
1: I, I can't recall.
3: Okay. I think you got to do some further testing here, kiddo. I, fi- I find it hard to believe that you had three bad alternators. I think more has got to be done. I
1: Well, I... no, it's doing this. Well, because I asked them, I said, because uh, at the parts place, I asked them, I said, well, can there be something else other than the problem that it's not sending enough not uh, charging to the battery to keep it going? And nobody would give me an adequate answer. So. Because
3: nobody knows. They're parts people, they're not they're not technicians. They're not mechanics.
1: Because I said it, it can't be it can't be three alternatives that,
3: right. well, no,
1: that ain't no good.
3: Right, and that's my point. All right. And that's my point, kiddo. All right. They're not diagnosticians. If I were to approach this, I'd verify power on the heavy cable going to the alternator. I'd verify power. I'd verify signal, all right, coming into the back of the alternator because that's all computer controlled. And I'd be looking at this on a scan tool to see if it's requesting. Do you know you can take a scan tool and request that alternator to be full fielded and go for maximum output and then check for signal at the other end with proper equipment? This is, okay. I got to tell you, this is not the way to diagnose this. I think you got to take it to your local garage. I don't think you've got the equipment to properly test this. I just don't. All right. No, the, I, the,
1: I don't have a test. Yeah. Because uh, I, thought, I thought you needed a test.
3: No, the fact that, the fact that I thought the, you needed a tester, you? well, here, hang on a second. The fact that the light went out after you charged the battery, the fact that the light went out after you charged yeah. the battery is just indicative of the battery had a high enough rate of charge. It was probably overcharged and over over 12.5 volts, and it stayed like that until you drove the car for 15 minutes and pulled the voltage back down low again, then all of a sudden the light came on, which shows me that the vehicle is capable of telling you, hey, there's a problem, all right? But I just find it hard to believe you've got three bad alternators. Y- you could. Anything's possible. I've seen yeah. stranger things in my career. But until somebody starts giving me some real voltage numbers and specs and tell me what I see on a scan tool... I can't take you down that path. You need to do some testing. You just can't keep swapping parts.
1: Yeah, but I know that you can't rely on the new new alternator either.
3: Well you can. You can rely on the new alternator, but you gotta do some testing. And that's my point. Take it somewhere, spend an hour. Let somebody spend an hour of diagnostic time. They can give you a whole lot of information here and diagnose this and they'll be able to do it a lot quicker and less painless than uh, going through replacing the alternator three times. Good luck. Let me know what happens. I'm Ron in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
2: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
3: Ron the car doctor at 855-560-9900. Let's go over to Joe in Michigan. Joe, what's going on? How can I help?
4: Hey, Ron, how you doing? Good to talk to you. You
3: too, sir. What's going on?
4: Uh, I love you so. Hey, um, uh, yeah, 2,000 uh, Saturn ion. My temperature gauge is not working.
3: Okay. Uh, now,
4: sometimes, like uh, earlier, earlier today, um, it was working fine, and then all of a sudden it just goes dead.
3: Okay. So.
4: Now, I've been yeah. I've been to a couple parts stores, and they're telling me it could possibly be a temperature control valve. Um, they hooked it up, you know, tried to see if there was a code. There's no code. So I'm like, okay. But I figured I'd call you and see, you know, what maybe you had to say.
3: All right. So first of all. There's an engine temperature Uh switch located on the engine. That switch provides signal. This is a zero to five-volt sensor that provides signal to the powertrain control module, the engine computer. The engine computer does a a bunch of things with that, okay? The actual temperature gauge in the cluster on the dash is controlled Uh by the body module, all right? The PCM, the powertrain control module, sends signal over a serial data line to the BCM, which then sends signal up through a serial data link to the instrument cluster. So there is no direct connection between the cluster and the powertrain control module or the sensor. Everything's done over data lines. So my questions would be, first of all, with a scan tool, starting it up from a cold start, all right? The vehicle's been sitting, definition of a cold start is vehicle's been sitting longer than or up to eight hours, Start it up. I'm sorry. Turn the key on. Do not start the car. Key on, engine off. Look at coolant temperature. Look at intake air temperature. They should be within a couple of degrees of each other. All right? Okay. Start the car up. Does the PCM, does the powertrain control module, report correct engine temperature? And it probably does. All right. So, for example, okay. you're driving along and you're going to see the engine temperature says, oh, I don't know, pick a number, 195 degrees. But now mm-hmm. you but your temperature gauge is cold. It shows cold. Yeah. Then, then I'd go into the BCM. I'd go into the body computer. Do I have a coolant temp reading there? And let's say that says 195 degrees. I know that the BCM can interpret the data. I know that the PCM is sending the data. That tells me my problem is somewhere between the BCM, either connector or wiring, or at the cluster itself. Do I have a bad gauge? Now, the key will be, where is engine temperature when this vehicle is allegedly warmed up and hot? So I would take my scan tool for a ride and 8 to 10 minutes in... I better see somewhere between 160 and 200 degrees of temperature, more likely closer to the 190-200 mark. Anything under, 100, okay. anything under 179 degrees, that vehicle should set a P0128 coolant temp rationality fault, which could be an indicator of a bad thermostat, but that's not what you're describing to me. You're making it sound more like this is a problem within the rationale or the cluster itself. So that's a good starting point. Don't go looking for a fault code. You may not get it. You've got to apply some basic logic here and understand how the circuit works. Good luck to you, Joe. Let me know what happens. I'm Ron Anady in The Car Doctor. I'll be back right after this.
2: It's a time of year when everyone is making plans to hit the road.
0: Real find my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409.
3: Welcome back. Well, We're on name, the Car Doctor. We had a um some closing thoughts for you this week. Um, the parts shortage is getting worse. It it really is. It's it's continuing. You know, the UAW strike is going to they're shutting down parts plants, and I'm not saying who's right and who's wrong here. I'm just reporting what i'm experiencing and my side of it what i see at this point in the counter and it's going to get it's going to get worse before it gets better i think and we're reaching into different places to find parts and it's uh, necessary to kind of turn over every rock you can uh, my chrysler guys tell me that they expect to be laid off at the local chrysler dealer uh, in the next couple of weeks because they're just they can't get parts out of the chrysler depot in Japan. Because And they're, at this point, all the dealers are buying from within and amongst themselves. So there is a part shortage coming, and it's going to hit harder and harder each and every week. We've uh, we scoured everywhere we can. We had a recent experience with a Ford Explorer. We needed a couple of oxygen sensors for it, couldn't find it anywhere. We we're able to go on to the ngksparkplug.com website, went into their parts finder. We're able to look it up that way, and they actually found it up. They've actually added a new feature, which, or I'm just aware of it now, but ngksparkplugs.com has a parts finder for outdoor and power equipment. I was up there playing around with it, finding parts for chainsaws and lawnmowers and outboard marine and all sorts of things. So, just uh, another avenue for parts. NGK, NTK, they've got it. Till the next time, I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor, reminding you good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. See ya.